Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. What a blessing it is for us to have the Bible and to have such ready access to it, to be able to pick it up anytime and open it up and read without any fear of anybody saying, you can't do that, you can't have that book, and maybe even arresting us and putting us in jail. We take it for granted. But you know, in a, in, in a number of places around the world, that kind of danger would be facing somebody who had a Bible square in the face because it would be illegal. It would certainly be illegal to teach it openly and probably to open it up and have it in public and be reading it openly. Well, how blessed we are. We take it for granted, though, don't we? So many people, they, if you ask them, do you have a Bible? They'd say, well, yes, I have a Bible. Well, where is it? Well, I keep it in a shelf on the book, in my bookcase at home. Or I think it might be on a, on a closet shelf in one of my closets at home. Or some people will display it on a coffee table in their living room or family room. But the sad part is that for so many people, they hardly ever open it up and read a single verse. We just take it for granted. We've got it. We can get one if we need it, if we want one. In fact, we can find one for free if we search just a little bit. Somebody would give us one. But people in other parts of the world, some other parts of the world, they would love to have a single copy of God's Word or even a portion of God's Word because they don't have one. And in some cases, it would, might be illegal for them to possess one. You see, that old statement with familiarity, or familiarity breeds contempt. Well, when we have something that is so easy for us to possess, we might not show it the proper respect that we should. Here in Search the Scriptures, we dig deep into God's Word we try to explain those teachings in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your life. We want to help you get to heaven by continuing to teach you God's Word accurately and effectively and even powerfully. We encourage you to tell everybody you can about the program. Encourage them to listen. Also encourage them to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive on their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will receive Search the Scriptures, this radio program, Monday through Friday, automatically. And so if they can't listen to an episode or a program one day because of a scheduling conflict, they can pull it up on podcast and listen to it at their convenience. But they'll also receive a whole lot more Bible teaching automatically to their smart device. They'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, usually only about 13 minutes long. We call that today's Bible class, but it keeps you in God's word and thereby helps you to stay strong in your faith and even grow stronger. 
So tell people about that and take advantage of it yourselves. If you're in the Omaha area, come and visit with us, study God's word with us, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, set aside our busy schedule for a while and come back at 6.30 for our midweek Bible classes. You are welcome to any and all of these services, and we'd love to see you and meet you and get to know you soon. We're going to get back into our study asking the question that Jesus asked Peter, a probing, a real soul-searching question. Do you love me more than these? Now, the setting in John chapter 21 is the third time that Jesus appeared to his apostles following his resurrection from that tomb after being buried there following his death on the cross. So he's already appeared to them two times previous to this. Now this is the third time. And they had the apostles had been out on the boat, out in the water, some distance from the shoreline, fishing all night. They had caught nothing. Jesus calls to them from the shore. They did not know he was there. They did not know, even when he called to them, that it was Jesus. But he called to them from the shoreline and said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they did. And it was filled with so many large fish that they could not even pull it into the boat. John, the apostle, perceptive, he said, it is the Lord. Peter, impressed emotionally, immediately jumped into the water and began swimming ashore. Well, the rest of the apostles, they rowed the boat to shore, pulling the net behind them, (laughs) the net full of fish. When they all got to the shoreline, they found that Jesus had already prepared breakfast for them, a breakfast of fish and bread, and he fed them. Now, after they had eaten, maybe still eating, but after they had been eating for a while, Jesus asked Peter that soul-searching question. Simon, Barjona, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? My. At first, Peter might have responded again instinctively, maybe impulsively. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But then Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, this might have given Peter more pause for thought, as to why Jesus asked him again when he just told him, yes, I love you. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then the third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the text tells us that this time Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter responded and said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, Peter had denied Jesus three times, not very many days previous to this. 
while Jesus was going through a series of mock hearings and trials before the Jewish authorities had him crucified on the cross. And here Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? It must have bothered Jesus, at least by that third time. It says he was grieved. Must have wondered, why are you asking me again? I've I've told you, yes, you know all things, Lord. You know that I love you. Well, what did Jesus mean by the word these when he said, do you love me more than these? And how could we understand that question and that word these from a broader perspective? I think we automatically assume Jesus is talking about his fellow apostles or disciples who were there eating breakfast with him at that time on that occasion. Do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord. And we looked at some other texts of Scripture. We saw that John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus had told the apostles on the night of his betrayal, you need to love each other as I have loved you. That the world, the not, those who are, have, have yet to become my followers, those who are not yet, even as I leave you, those who have not become Christians at any moment in time, you need to love each other as I have loved you so that they can see my love in you. And your love for each other can be an influence, a positive influence to help them open their hearts to my love for them so that they can become Christians, my followers. We looked in 1 John chapter 4 and 1 John chapter 3, and John the apostle emphasizes in those chapters of that short letter that we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ sincerely, and not just in word, but in deed. We're also to Love our neighbor as ourself. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, the apostle Paul instructed that husbands are to love their wives and wives are to love their husbands as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. But saying all of that, all of those instructions about how we are to love others, Jesus still says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, If you love father or mother or son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. Jesus says, and now he gave gave the instructions. It's God's word that instructs us to love one another, our neighbor, to love our brother and sisters in Christ, to love our spouses. But Jesus says, you still need to love me more. Do you love me more than these? Anybody around you? Anybody associated with you? Anybody who, with whom you have a close relationship, even a biological family member? Do you love me more than these? Well, they had just finished eating a meal. We talked about that. They must have been hungry, those apostles, those disciples, because they'd been fishing all night, caught nothing. It was breakfast time. Been up all night. Must have been hungry. Jesus fed them. Could Jesus have been referring to the meal, the fishes in the pan, the bread that he had prepared? Do you love me more than these, these morsels of food? 
Well, we need food to exist, don't we? Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, Jesus was teaching on the necessities of life, among them the food that we need to eat. But he used by way of illustration God's love for us in talking about how God feeds the birds of the air, but they don't plant any crops. He clothes the grass of the field, but again, it doesn't sow seed in the way a farmer does. But Jesus said, God knows that you need these things. And so in verses 31 through 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you love me more than the necessities of life? Is your love for me your Lord and Savior, Jesus asking, by way of broader application, do you love me more than even the food that you need to sustain your physical well-being, the clothes you need to put on your back, the homes you need for shelter? Do you love me more than these? Well, we pointed out also that Peter was a professional fisherman. Now, he probably saw that net load of such large fish that they couldn't even drag the net full of fish into the boat as income. He, he easily could have been thinking, and rightly so, we're going to make some money today selling these at the market. But again, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your greatest treasure? Where is it? Is it of a spiritual nature? Is it forgiveness and redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Is your greatest treasure an eternal home in heaven for your soul after this physical life is over? Do you love me more than these? In Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 34, we read a text where Jesus points out that being with him is worth more than all the treasures of this world. Again, beginning with verse 44, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven, that is being a Christian, being saved, being in God's family, spiritual family, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Because you see, the treasure he found in that field is worth more than everything else he possessed. He gives another illustration. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it, because that one pearl was worth more than everything else he owned, everything else he possessed. And it was worth giving up all of that to be able to acquire that one pearl of great price. Well, Jesus is not giving a lesson in treasures and pearls, merchandise. 
He's simply using illustrations that we can relate to. He says, being saved, being redeemed, being a Christian, having that home in heaven for all of eternity waiting for you is worth more than anything that you could possibly acquire through the riches and treasures even of this world, even if you could possess all of the money and all of the gems, all of the riches, all of the resources, they don't begin to compare with that home in heaven for all of eternity. Do you love me more than these? In Philippians Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, The Apostle Paul was talking about the lesson along this line that he had learned. And Paul had position. He had authority. He had prestige before he became a Christian. And he gave all of that up, basically, to become a Christian. He no longer just put his security in those things. He recognized... (laughs) My eternal destiny is with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, we read this from the Apostle Paul. He said, What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, to be with Christ. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He said, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, I press on. I press on toward that ultimate eternal goal of a home in heaven. Paul said, all those things that I thought were so important when I was outside of Christ, when I was lost in my sin, I see them as just rubbish compared to gaining forgiveness and salvation and eternal life in Christ. Nothing of this world, including Riches and all that money can buy. Clothes, cars, houses, electronics, anything else you can name. Nothing compares with the value of being in Christ. But how many people are selling their souls for these things? Do you love me more than these? Let's think a little bit broader. What about, the rising, what about rising to levels of professional and social success? Recognition and prestige within our society, within our culture. 
Do you love me more than these? James wrote something that we read over and over again in the scriptures, both Old Testament and New. In James chapter 4, now I want to begin reading with verse 7. He says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we've got to make up our minds which way we're going to live our life and who we're going to follow through life, God or the devil. There is no other choice. It's going to be one or the other. And we make the choice every day as we walk along. Draw near to God, he says, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then in verse 10, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Oh, it sure is great to receive pats on the back, isn't it? It's wonderful emotionally to bask in the glory of somebody praising us for something we have done well. But we need to keep things in proper perspective. Those things are not the most important things in our lives. We're told over and over again in Scripture, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That God resists those who, who exalt themselves, and he lifts up those who humble themselves, themselves, which is the case with you. Jesus is asking the question, do you love me more than these? We need to do some self-reflecting, don't we? On a regular basis, do we love Jesus more than these? We'll bring our study to a close next time. Right now, let's pray. Father, we do love you. Thank you for loving us. But help us and guide us to always remember to not love you just in tongue or in word, in speech, but to love you with all of our being and to demonstrate that love consistently every day in our dedication and commitment to you. Our faithfulness to you through our obedience to your teachings. Help us, Father, to love you more than all that this world could offer us. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.